Grab your favorite drink, whether it's a coffee, cocktail, or tea, and get ready. It's Ladies Night on Lady Overlander Radio. Lady Overlander Radio is sponsored by Artemis Overland Hardware, Midland Radio, Go Treads, Overland Spices, Wildland Coffee, Timbo Tusk, The More Expo, and Adventure Trail Outfitters, maker of the Overland Shower. Hey Arla, hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. What's shaking? How you feeling, girl? <sighs> Fantastic. <laughs> You like my manly voice? Yeah, she's getting over a little Sexy. bit of sickness. I was sick a few weeks ago when we did our last show, and it was just like, Ugh. so excuse her if she goes on mute and has to cough it out and stuff because she's getting over some yucky stuff. So, yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I had a really fun weekend I wanted to talk about really quick. I went camping um, throughout Florida and did the Florida Adventure Trail with Cotty Womple Overland and Down South Outdoor and Off-Road. I said their name right. And that was a really good time. So if you guys haven't checked out the Florida Adventure Trail, you need to because it's a lot of fun. And it goes down your ne- your near your current neck of the woods, Tara. So it goes down into Citrus County and stuff. So it's really cool. But anyway, I digress. Tonight we're going to be talking about a pretty important topic about whether or not you should take a firearm with you when you're traveling or camping or overlanding or whatever you want to call it. Um, whether or not that's a good idea, we're going to talk about some safety precautions you should take, some legal aspects of traveling with a firearm and things like that. And we have our special guests are Tara McGovern, Roven Reverie. We have Christina Loopy from Huntress Off Road and Taylor Abney from Taylor Abney Adventures. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for joining us. So um, the first thing I'd like to do is just because some of you haven't been on in a while and stuff, just do a quick little brief background on yourselves. Uh, We'll start with you, Tara, and then we'll go to Christina and then Taylor. Got it. Um, I'm Tara, Roven Reverie, most social media things. Um, Back, (coughs) I guess, what kind of background do you want? Just off-road wise, I do a lot of overlanding. It's myself. It's primarily, um, so I'm either solo or with my two kids, um, which is where the firearms and weapons tend to come in as far as being a necessity. Um, and currently in the middle of moving across to Colorado in the next next week. Holy crap. Ooh, next week. Yeah, so Yay. big moves and changing states and then more overland adventures for the rest of the year, hopefully. Awesome. Great. Very nice. Christina? So my name is Christina, aka Huntress Offroad on all of the social media stuff. So Instagram, Facebook, I think TikTok, even though I'm never really on it because I think it's stupid, but whatever. So, <laughs> I'm with you. Right there. I've yet, I've yet <laughs> to on the TikTok bandwagon. <laughs> um, so I have a Jeep. I full-timed with just the Jeep for seven months, uh, overlanding the entire country, which was amazing. And then added a motorhome to the adventures, towed the Jeep behind the motorhome. And then now I have a fifth wheel as base camp and adventure out of the Jeep. So it's been like a whirlwind of 
not having a house for literally years and just like living in the outdoors and being on the road. So um, that's kind of like my thing and how I got into the overland space. And uh, also as far as the firearms thing is concerned, um, there's quite an extensive background with firearms that I'm sure we'll get into later. So yeah. Okay. Taylor? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of what I do. So I'm, I'm a full timer. Um, and like, and I don't know what you want to call it, if it's like an RV or whatever, but basically it's a cargo trailer conversion. Um, and I've been full timing for coming up on three years now. Um, so the first year and a half was solo and then I met my husband. And so we've had about a year and a half together. Um, so it's been awesome. And I mean, I was hell bent determined when I moved on the road to keep my forerunner. Cause I used, I worked for Toyota, um, for almost seven years. And I was like, that was my dream truck. Like when I got the forerunner, it, she was my baby. So, I mean, I literally typed the codes into order it. Like I can see that truck. Like she's like, <laughs> legit. I could say it's my baby. <laughs> so but awesome. anyways, yeah, it was actually, it was pretty cool. And I guess, uh, the employees, like they can't really do that anymore. So, um, so anyways, I digress. Uh, I off-road, I shoot guns. I do so on a somewhat professional level. I could say that cause, uh, I, people pay me to do that, <laughs> which is so weird to think, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. So, I mean, I have my, um, I do instruct, um, I teach as well and I do competitions all over the country and I can still carry like everywhere. Um, and I'm totally psyched about this conversation. <laughs> yes. Great. I am too. And what's cool about this is so a lot of months ago we had a, um, we talked, we had a ladies round table talking about whether women should overland solo. Right. And that, that seemed kind mm -hmm. of controversial. You know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions what? on that, and we talked through everything else. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. But yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, I'm sure that at least I'm sure Terry, you've gotten some comments about you shouldn't be doing that by yourself and all these things, you know. And I don't know if anybody else has gotten that, but you know, I've gotten comments on videos about, oh, well, you weren't prepared because you didn't have this and that. And they have no idea what I have in my rig. I have 18 gallons of water. I have a shovel, I have hiking boots, I have recovery gear, I have a winch, I have a firearm, I have all kinds of equipment, bear spray, whatever, but they're assuming because I'm a woman traveling with two kids that I don't know what I'm doing and, you know, clearly I'm, I need somebody's help. So yeah. that was, you know, we, we talked through that, I think we've changed a lot of perception on that, whether or not, whether you're male or female, you can travel solo and be just fine. Um, you just need to be smart about things, you need to be prepared. And it's the same thing with firearms, I feel. You know, some people choose not to travel with firearms. That's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. Choose to travel with a firearm. Some people use a knife instead. Some people have bear spray. Some people take a ha hammer in their purse. I have a friend who has a little tiny mini hammer in her purse that she takes with her wherever she goes. <laughs> I, okay, I have two well, friends. That's, right now. that's new. <laughs> I mean, you should have a hammer on you She's no matter what anyway. <laughs> Cute little hammer in her purse, that, just in case anybody looks at her sideways. But um, I want a hammer you now. Know, I mean, oh, I right? can go under the front. You have the little baseball bat you could put in your car, Arla. The little tiny baseball. I do bat have that little baseball bat. Garage. Yeah, you could totally mm -hmm. mess somebody up with that. But anyway, sure. um, so we want to talk tonight about whether or not you should be traveling with a firearm. Uh, we're going to talk about safety. 
Um, mm -hmm. Thankfully, hey, Joey, we have some law enforcement people on that are watching mm -hmm. tonight, which I'd love for them to weigh in and tell <clears> us what their thoughts are on that. Kaden's one Several of them. Of y'all on here. Welcome, welcome. Um, yeah. And Joey. And so we're going to get into it first by talking about, I do want to get into everybody's backgrounds. So, so Tara, you mentioned that you grew up kind of in a gun shop, you know, was it a family owned gun shop or what was it? Yeah. Just so uh, my dad owned pawn and gun shops here in our County forever, basically my entire childhood and partial adult life actually until just a few years ago. So I was raised literally in a gun shop with all of those things around me all the time so of course the education started from a very young age of this is a tool not a toy and this you know there was it was never anything i think you reached that point as i got older where you know all the boys want to date you because they know who your dad is and you know got like <laughs> of things. Um, they would come over to take me on a date and end up in the gun room um but <laughs> yeah they're being surrounded by it all the time obviously gives me a little bit of a different comfort factor with them or knowledge of them than most people have. So I do recognize that, like it is not a natural thing to be that comfortable around all of those weapons all the time for most people. Um, so yeah, my education in them was pretty much ingrained from childhood from that factor. Okay. Yeah, I got, I got a lot of my, I didn't ever shoot a firearm or handle a firearm until I went into the military. And so when I was in boot camp, that's when I was trained on how to you know, every, all the nomenclature, how to properly handle them, how to shoot them, everything else. And so, you know, I had that background and though I didn't shoot, you know, a firearm often, I only, only to qualify while I was in the military, I didn't, you know, I still retain that information. And, you know, I think that that's important, but Arla, what's your background? Did you, do you have, have much of a background on on that or did you just learn as you were young and not really my parents um you know they had a few firearms we never went and did any shooting or anything but when i married my husband he you know did a lot of hunting and whatnot so he he kind of got me more started on that i would i would say but yeah always carry okay. absolutely yeah mm -hmm. all right christina tell us about your background um, okay, so it started, I grew up in a very like hunting oriented family. So uh, my father was blessed with three daughters and no sons. And I started hunting at a very young age. And my father and I spent a ton of time in the woods together. So um, when I was a young kid, I think I had my first gun when I was seven. And we just like, in the whole like firearm safety thing had been ingrained in me since the beginning, just because my father had a whole collection of firearms and I, you know, being in the woods with him, like it was important to him that I understood firearm safety and everything. So that was always ingrained with like in me from a very young age. But then as I got older, so I started, um, I had to take hunter safety classes and then I enjoyed mm -hmm. that so much that I actually became a hunter safety instructor. And then it sort of transitioned into like, I loved the classes so much. And like my favorite students were women because most of them had never even shot a firearm before. And it was their first time they got so excited. And so I decided to become an instructor. So I got certified as a firearms instructor <coughs> and rifle courses. I lucked out because growing up in New Hampshire, we have Sig Sauer um, that's actually manufactured in New Hampshire and they have an amazing training facility in New Hampshire. So I got trained at Sig Sauer nice. and then 
passed that along. So I got certified to train women's firearms classes and started doing women's firearm safety classes for pistol, rifle, and I even included archery sometimes just because it was fun. And then I moved forward with um, doing more work with fish and game. So I kind of combined like my firearms training with my passion for wildlife and the outdoors and everything. And I've had a concealed carry permit since the moment I was old enough to do it. And um, like I said, the, the big thing for me was like, as I progressed through all of those training classes and really enjoyed them all, I just wanted to go further and get other people into it. So uh, I also became a range safety officer and got certified as an RSO and like went through the whole thing because for me, it was just important that while I enjoyed all that, I passed that knowledge along to other people. So everybody else who's on the range with me is also being super safe. And everybody else who's out in the woods carrying a gun is also super safe. And just wanted to kind of pass those skills and that passion along to people. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And Taylor, tell us about your background. Yeah, well, so first of all, I'm still totally freaked out that Christina and I went to the same high school. Like, That's crazy. shut <laughs> up. How weird is this? Yeah, we had a like, little combo before the show started, and they went to the same high school. And have yeah. never met each other before. <laughs> not, not the same years, though. That's like, crazy. You're, you're, you're like a generation, like a block ahead of me. Ouch. <laughs> well, I Jeez. mean. Shots fired. <laughs> Not a generation, wow. like a Literally, high school generation. Fired. <laughs> <Shots fired. laughs> is that like a couple of this. years or is that like <laughs> I'm gonna go here? get a I'm gonna go get a uh like a little <laughs> stroller for her, a little walker. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm eight years old. I doubt I could have had you. Okay, high school, sorry, high school generation. This show just high took a weird generation. turn, but all right, let's move along. Yeah, let's, yep, let's move along. So no, when I was listening to your story, it was just cool because I'm trying to figure out like where we might have seen each other because with Sig Sauer being right there, I never knew like how uh, special it was <laughs> until like you really start seeing people fly in from all over the country and it's like, whoa, and it's just in our backyard. And that culture in New Hampshire is just like live free or die. And firearms are just really not a controversial topic, or at least they, they weren't when I was growing up there. Um, but I mean, I, I didn't grow up with guns like you guys. So I love that y'all did um, because I totally didn't. I grew up in like Interloop, Houston, and then my uh, family moved to New Hampshire where it was rural. And uh, when I actually, I um, had moved out on my own uh, for the first time when I was 20, I was 23. Um, and it was in a town in Salisbury, uh, which is like just off of exit 17, you know, if you're driving up 93 North um, and there's no police department. So that's when I bought my first gun. Uh, so that was in 2013. And I mean, it just like clearly spiraled wildly out of control because like fast forward, you know, however many years later and, you know, I'm a competitive shooter. I'm on team Winchester and I shoot for a lot of other really awesome companies as well on a national level. Um, so that's most of my experience was either like 
you know, again, done through adulthood, um, but done so like <laughs> literally under the timer. So I started competing six months after I bought my first gun. So that's wow. like what I've always done. And so I actually don't have a lot of experience in the quote unquote recreational or hunting realm. Um, I've done a little bit of hunting, but most everything has been competition. And so like <laughs> Tara, when you were saying, you know, most people aren't used to being this familiar with guns, like in the competition world, we totally are. And I do forget that maybe it's not as normal, but yeah. it's like, that's just what, I, you know, yeah, like I go over to a girlfriend's house and it's like, she also has loose ammo rounds in her junk drawer. And I'm like, I'm glad I'm not alone, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for having a bag of ammo in my middle compartment in the Jeep because they did not think, you like, how dare it? Like I put it randomly, like all the random things coming out of my compartment, there was yeah. ammo stashed in different places in the Jeep because like, it's gotta be within arm's reach. And so I got, yeah yelled at from yeah that was a lot of a bunch of men left comments on my choice of storage of ammo places that was you know it happens and when you're in a freedom state <laughs> like i forget it's there but you're moving to colorado so watch out well, that's an interesting <laughs> um yeah i mean yeah. i live on the well, different. but uh i do know that yeah um, I, I do. I have heard that uh, I don't follow the news a ton, but I have heard that uh, a lot of states are removing the concealed carry permit requirements. So I think Florida is one of them where they're pushing to not have a per not require a permit to concealed carry, which is interesting. And we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. I was just bringing it up because I just thought that that was interesting. That's been in current. What's that, Tara? That's the last thing Florida needs. Well, that's probably true, but. <laughs> There's a lot of things that the Florida doesn't need that they do anyway, but yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. And so one of the things I'd like to talk about is traveling through different states and, mm -hmm. you know, every state has a different requirement and there's different reciprocity with different states. If you do have a concealed carry, some states require you to have the, the gun locked away. Some, you know, you can have it on you. And so I think that's just something that people need to be aware of, um, when they're traveling with a firearm, especially if they're from one state and they're traveling three or four states over to go camp or overland or whatever, right. you know, that people may not think about. So, you know, I mean, have you guys have any, had any experiences where you've been traveling from state to state and maybe you've been stopped by someone and somebody said something to you or Christina, did you have that experience? I was laughing. I experience. <laughs> um, Fortunately, I was prepared for it because I knew, you know, traveling between state boundaries and everything. But just very recently, actually, over Christmas break, um, I happened to be in New Hampshire for Christmas, which since my permanent address <laughs> is still in New Hampshire, my ID is from New Hampshire, my vehicle's registered to New Hampshire, everything's still technically there, even though I spend the majority of my time out west now. Um, mm. So I decided I was going to buy a firearm while I was in New Hampshire for Christmas because I have a lot of relationships with the guys who sell firearms in New Hampshire. So um, did that, picked up a brand new handgun, um, but I was traveling from New Hampshire to Indiana right after the fact. And um, on the way between New Hampshire and Indiana, we got pulled over and uh, it was like nothing egregious. It was like a construction zone thing, just something stupid where the speed limit kept fluctuating within 10 miles of each other. But it was a situation where 
I was asked specifically, are there any firearms in the vehicle? And that was actually, believe it or not, the first time I've ever been pulled over that the officer specifically asked me the question, are there any firearms in the vehicle? And I said, yes, they're outside of arm's reach. The, there's no ammunition in the firearm. The ammunition's in a separate compartment. Like everything is done according to like the rule book. Essentially, the gun was locked in its own case. And uh, it was, I was prepared for the question to be asked, basically. And uh, I was right. glad for that at the time. Um, I do have... Because again, like traveling as much as I did, I think in one year I was in something like 38 states or something. And uh, during that time, I chose to purchase a firearm that was legal to have, not necessarily concealed carry wise, but legal to have in my vehicle in all 50 states, which was really difficult yeah. to actually choose and find. But there are, in my case, it's a <laughs> shotgun. And it only yeah. holds rounds and it's got a certain length of barrel to it. And it has a certain kind of stock and like everything meets the legal requirements for all 50 states. So I had to kind of, when I was traveling, especially solo, when I was traveling by myself, I had to kind of specifically prepare for those instances and those situations. So there's a way to do it and there's a, there's a way to do it right. It's mm -hmm. just that there's so many things that you need to look into and be prepared for beforehand. Right. Yeah, you definitely have to do your research. For me, I mean, I think I was just also always raised and trained with if you get pulled over as like, <coughs> before anything else as like, before I even handle my license, it's, hey, there is a gun here and this is where it's like Christy said, like, absolutely. This is where the gun is. This is where the ammo is. And just, just giving them that information up front usually completely changes your dynamic with them period never had a problem they're usually just like okay i got pulled over in wyoming last summer and i told them and he was kind of he's like okay and then just moved along with the next thing <laughs> he's like everybody here has that girl <laughs> yeah like no. everybody but never a yeah problem. yeah so never a problem with it i just always am prepared for that question and knowing that that's like first information that goes out you know as soon as they come up to the window well yeah so, and i definitely I think that it's important for officer safety as, as well. And a few police officers watching tonight. So I believe, I'm not sure, maybe they can correct me on this, but I believe that when they pull you over, if you do have a concealed carry permit, I think that it tells them it does. that you have mm -hmm. a registered firearm and a concealed carry permit. So they already know, like, mm -hmm. if you legally have a firearm, they already know you have one. So, you know, again, same thing. I tell them right up front. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's here. It's it's locked up. It's whatever, you know. Just avoid any kind of issues or confusion or anything about that. So I just think that's a smart way to be. And uh, Kate shared here different gun laws, reciprocity maps, and guidelines. That's fantastic. I use that exact same link, comments. and it's it's extremely valuable. They and they yeah. keep it pretty well updated. So I definitely recommend the same one. Yeah. I would say the most useful tool has been the USCCA app. Um, it shows you all the reciprocity. You can literally like plug in, you know, what license you have um, <clears throat> as a resident and then all of your out-of-state licenses and it shows you. And then you could click into each state and be like, oh, if you get pulled over, do you have to disclose or, you know, and it goes through all the laws and stuff. That was like my lifesaver because I like before hitting the road, I totally um, jump down a lot of like research, uh, rabbit holes and it could be, 
sort of intimidating because there's a lot of information that it's hard to trust. And Mm -hmm. so having one reliable source, like whatever the source is that you find, I find that like if you could find just one or two really good reliable sources, that's like key. So and then trusting that. But I just printed um, I printed a copy of FOPA and I like always keep that in my glove box just in case like. I don't know. I have a thought like if I were to get pulled over in a state that was not as firearm friendly and an officer were to ask me, it's like, okay, I have that. And then I also like, you know, I have the copy of like literally the bill that says I'm able to carry this through interstate travel. So it's like that way there's no question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And experiencing Arkansas and Kate also brought up a good point that I wasn't aware of that when you hand over your driver's license and you have a concealed carry permit, you have to hand over your permit as well. Absolutely. Good for me to know because I have a concealed carry permit in Florida and uh, thankfully I haven't been pulled over, but you know, that's, that's a good, that's good information to have is that you are required to present that to the officer as well. So as you move and change your license for Misty and for Tara that are both moving. Yeah. You have to, you have to switch those both. You can't have two different Mm -hmm. running. That's Absolutely. why we wait to change addresses for a while. Tara, <laughs> go over to Utah <laughs> permit. Since you're going to be living in Colorado, just go get that one. <laughs> you yeah. you can get the Utah permit anywhere. I got my Utah permit in New Hampshire. It is awesome. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was so cool when I finally went to Utah. I was like, I have, like, I'm in the yeah. state that I got the permit that allowed me to do so many things. <laughs> I spent a year in Utah and I was like, why wouldn't, like, you could just right right well i'm here like that's just <laughs> it is that is an awesome license and florida has a really good license too from in terms of uh from what I, yeah yeah I'll let you do whatever you want here it's fine <laughs> almost you can't open Everything. carry though which makes no sense such a gun-friendly state yeah. but they like won't let you open carry like, uh, I actually have mixed feelings about open carry. So right. I, while I love concealed carry, don't get me wrong, I feel like open carry makes you a target versus what your ultimate goal would be of protecting yourself. Like, yeah. if there's a shooter or, like, imagine, like, a mall situation where there's an active shooter situation and you're noticed with a firearm on your hip, right? you're going to be the first person that they try to take out to make sure that you're not shooting back. You know what I mean? At least in my own. Yeah, they can do what they want. We have to keep in mind, open carry means a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I mean, I'm totally with you. Like, you want, you know, concealed carry is for a reason, especially when you're a female. Um, But, like, when I'm hiking um, with a pack, like, oftentimes I'm – typically open carrying, um, it's more comfortable and I'm literally in the woods by myself. And the same thing goes for like, even in Florida, I was on a lot of very remote beaches, like in the Everglades, like it's just more comfortable to open carry. It's hot AF. Like I'm in a bathing suit and I have a gun strapped on me, right? I'm, I'm technically I'm open carrying and to conceal carry, I've got to put on a cover garment and it's hot. So, you know, when I'm out in the woods by myself, like obviously a cop isn't going to bother me, but there's still like, I don't know. I, I like look out for the fishing game officer who's like having a bad day. It's like, what's, you know, I don't know. Try to do the right thing. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned law enforcement in that in a federal level, because we were talking about before the show started that, you know, I looked up, I did a little bit of research. I looked up that you are allowed to carry in national forests and in national parks, but you have to 
still look at the state, county, city, local, whatever rules and laws about that and comply with those. And they actually supersede the federal law. So yeah. though you may be able to carry in, let's say, the Ocala National Forest, if part of that national forest was, is within the Ocala, the city limits of Ocala, and they don't allow that, then you can't. So don't just assume because some national forest or some national park says you can carry in that area, you know, that you can't because you have to look at and even BLM land, especially out west. Like there are there are lots of it's just like um, whether or not you can have a fire. So we've we've ran into that where some places will say there's a burn ban, you know, there's no burn ban at the federal level, but the county's got a burn ban currently or, you know, you, you have to be smart about that stuff and do your research. And most because, of the park websites are pretty up to date on. Yeah. Stuff. Look for it. You can usually even just search for it in there. So most of them are pretty good because there's times that I've been going through where I second guess. I'm like, oh, I haven't checked this one. But usually it's always on their website of what the rule is for their current park. Yeah. So it's important that you do your research and check that. Um, and again, knowing mm. which states carry reciprocity and, you know, just making yourself as knowledgeable as possible so that if you do get pulled over and you are questioned about something, you know, when you're, when you're talking, you're talking with some sense of, you know, hey, I've done my research research I've looked into this and this is my I'm allowed to do this here in this way you know and I think that anybody that is questioning you about that will respect that and understand that you have done your due diligence so I would like to talk about safety though so, so when you're out and you're camping and you've got a firearm or a bat or a or bear spray or whatever any kind of thing to protect yourself or to kind of slow down any kind of threat what are some tips do you that you think that you could share with others that would ensure that you're being safe so that you don't end up being endangered or harmed in any way? Okay. Taylor, what do you think? Oh, um, well, I was just thinking that <laughs> I'm a more offensive person and I was going to share how important it is to plot your guns in certain places, but you're thinking on a different level. So I can do that oh. too. <laughs> <laughs> so, we can totally go down that road in a minute wow. for sure how, how are we going to be safe i was like all right like I, we'll walk through this you and my husband will get along really well yeah yeah um i, I mean, appreciate your take on that though yeah so. yeah yeah we're, we're coming back to that we're circling headed. back to that Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, it's the same safety you would do in any home um, in terms of having stuff locked up. I'm a big fan of Pelican cases. Uh, it's just, you know, they're transportable, uh, they're TSA approved. And, you know, when you live nomadically, like you've got to have stuff that obviously is, you know, going to be secure. Like you can't go out and get just like a uh, inexpensive box and throw it in there and especially when you're traveling, you have to have something that is lockable and just like durable in general. So um, having good storage because you can, you know, obviously when you're going to different areas, you're more subject to, you know, people potentially like breaking in, right? So um, you just want to be cognizant of, of how things may be exposed when you're traveling. Um, but as far as being at camp, um, I mean, I don't know. I camp in the middle of nowhere. So uh I don't know. I just act yeah, normal, I guess. Same. Yeah. 
I don't, uh, I've been, oh, now I will say, um, so my first campground experience um, actually involved uh, a firearm. So I was in, no, no, no. I was in Georgia. I went to the state campground in Georgia, just below Savannah and had pulled up. I was solo traveling. It was hot, like summertime. So I just literally was wearing a sports bra and had my belly band on with nothing covering it. So I'm open carrying, but I'm at a campground, no one's around. And the way the belly band looks with my sports bra, like unless you're looking, you can't actually tell there's a gun in there because it's like same color. I don't know if that makes sense. But um, anyway, so I'm unpacking all my setup and this, you know, and I'm open carrying this guy came over and he was like, hey, I noticed you're camping by yourself and you're by yourself. And he like he said it a few times and I'm like, I've been here for 10 minutes and I already have someone coming up to me, pointing out the fact that I'm by myself. And I mean, you know, and so that validated like why I do carry. I mean, he still, he was walking like an old dude walking Chihuahua. I'm not worried about him. And he could see that I was carrying, but it's just like, not everyone is going to be as forward as he was. And I was thankful for that experience because he validated what I questioned my mind in terms of like being at a campground and sitting in a fishbowl where everyone's watching you. So I would say for safety, like, just put yourself in an environment where you truly can be safe and you could control more things. Um, you can't mm-hmm. control your neighbors at a campground. I could totally control, um, for the most part, I can't control animals, but when you're out in, you know, BLM land, public land, whoop, there goes my light. Um, I talk <laughs> with my hands. <laughs> like you could select an area that is safe, right? So yeah. for the most part, I think. So yeah, that's my tip. Right on. Let's so go back to I Katie will... Abraham's comment there. Oh, go ahead. go ahead. I was going to say, <laughs> I will totally jump in and be like, the moment I get to camp, and I think I just saw, I don't know who it was, but somebody just jumped in and said basically the same thing. Um, it is on my person, like on my body at all times. Yep. So I prefer, personally, I'm a, an appendix carry type of person. So I'll do the belt. And if my jeans are a size too big or whatever, and then it fits like in the like appendix carry holster that I have, which is a hard sided holster. So I saw somebody else said something about hard sided holsters on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I love the holster that I have. It's super comfortable for me. And the firearm that I typically conceal or open carry is um, a subcompact nine millimeter. And that's just like, it's the perfect thing to keep me comfortable. Like even when I'm sitting in my vehicle with the appendix carry, I don't notice it necessarily anymore. I think I'm just so used to it that it doesn't even bother me anymore. It can be really uncomfortable for a lot of women. Like I'm a skinny jeans girl. Like I, yeah, I don't yeah. wear like loose baggy clothing other than typically like throwing a flannel shirt over a tank top or whatever. Like it's just not really my style. So for me, like finding a way to carry in a way that made sense for me and was comfortable for me and was also safe was the appendix carry type of style. So it's easy access for me. Uh, I know my firearm really well, and I tend to always err on the side of caution in that like the majority of my pistols that I have also have safeties. I'm just like, that's the girl that I am. Like, even if I'm going to carry one in the chamber, like I prefer it to have a safety. So the majority of my pistols have them. um, And I just like, I like the accessibility of it. I like the way it feels. I like knowing it's right there if I need it. And 
I have come into not even so many weird situations. And Tara knows this about me. Like I have had so many weird wildlife encounters in my time, like out alone in the woods, like camping all over the country. Like I've had more weird wildlife encounters than I've had with weird people. So, I can't wait to hear these yeah. one day. <laughs> so for me, it's just like, I have to have it on my person. So the safe place for my firearm for me is like the holster carry um the appendix carry with the holster sorry but i typically if it's a state where i'm not allowed to do that necessarily you can bet your ass my shotguns in my rooftop tent because that's the next closest place for me to keep that and there's rules against like if it's hunting season and things like that there's rules against leaning it a, a firearm against your vehicle while it's loaded yeah so there's certain places that you can be in where you can have a, a firearm loaded in a certain place at a certain time with a certain number of rounds in the magazine or whatever and like you just have to be super cognizant of all of those things as far as where you're carrying it how you're being safe with it and how you're using it but i'm like for me preferably if i'm in a state where i can do it it's the yeah, appendix carry holster on my person at all times. Same. And I can add one layer to that is that I have my two kids with me, which they're not little. They're, you know, 12 and well, going 12 and 17. But for where I carry it, like I carry it usually on that belt area right in the back mm -hmm. of my jeans because not just me that needs to reach it sometimes. There are scenarios where there is that rule of the second I'm out of the vehicle, they know where it's at. If they need to reach it, if my hands are full or I am carrying something heavy and one of them needs to grab it off of me, they need to know where that's at as well because there is a scenario where I also need them to be comfortable with that because the likelihood of it always being me that can, you know, that is there's three of us there. So as far as, you know, them needing to be aware of it and comfortable with it too and not being scared of having to pick it up, or like you said, even in the rooftop tent, which you can, it's always within arm's reach kind of a thing. Like everybody always knows where it is and how far away you are from it if it's needed. So they also know that and know exactly that it's loaded if it's not like they have all those kind of, because they can't carry it on them since their age, but they know exactly where it is and what to do in that scenario. I love that you bred backup shooters. <laughs> it's awesome. Yes. Like, <laughs> I, I was the same that. thing. It is, <laughs> I've never heard a mom say, like, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I've never heard a mom say that before where, like, they know where it is in case, like, like, what a smart statement because it's so true. Like, what, you know, you might be trying to, like, if there's an attack or whatever, you might be physically trying to get them away. And if they have an opportunity to maybe get that and help you out, wow, that's very, like, I got goosebumps. That's very powerful. Um, we do the and hiking as far as we always hike in a certain order where oldest is always front. My youngest is in the middle and I go in the back. So oldest always has bear spray because he's allowed to always have that on him. So he always has that accessible, but there's generally knowledge of even my youngest knows that is where that thing is for me to grab or whatever. Everybody is, we, we have a system. Uh, totally. Yeah. And I mean, and it, it does change the dynamic too. Cause like, I had uh, custody of my younger sister for a while. So um, I also had that role of protector and we'd be in areas and every now and then if it was kind of sketchy, she'd just look at me and she'd be like, like, give me that wink. Like, 
you packing? And I'd be like, yeah. And then all of a sudden she'd be like, all right, like, you know, when they know that you're like there, like you're going to take care of business if shit goes down, you know, that, that also sort of builds that, uh, that bond as well, you know? And, uh, and yeah, backup shooters, you're smart. Well, and for that reason, mine is always <laughs> that within, because it's something that you cannot get simpler than that for like, if somebody else nearby has to uh-huh. use it. So that's usually what I have on me just for that sake of I don't have to worry about them being able to not make that function. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point, especially if you have younger, you know, kids with you and stuff and you want them to be able to do that. You know, the hand strength and learning all of those different things is that comes with time. And uh, what's that? I said in a moment of panic or stress, it's not as simple as possible. At least for kids. Yeah, exactly. So Arla, let's go back to um, Katie Abraham's uh, statement there. I wanted to see what she said. I missed it. <clears throat> I always carry when James isn't around, uh, but something else that has helped me not worry about traveling alone was taking personal protection firearm courses, operating a firearm under pressure, protecting your firearm in space, drawing and firing one-handed, et cetera. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I did want to touch on is encouraging people, if you aren't very comfortable with a firearm, Make sure you look up local courses, go to a a firearm safety course, learn how to shoot your firearm, make it to where you shot it enough to where you're comfortable with it, not careless, but just comfortable. And you're, you know, you know where everything is on the firearm, you know how to shoot it, you know how to load it, you know what to do if there's a jam, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, and they have ladies only courses, they have couples courses, they have all kinds of different um, firearm courses all over the country that you can you can go and take and i think that that's important and, and i think that one other thing say, i wanted to talk about okay oh i was just gonna say um so like another way to to learn is by competition i mean i started shooting six months after i got my first gun which is a little extreme um but when you are in a competition setting it it is for all levels they literally have you know d-class shooters and then you have grandmaster and there is just like you know a b c d everything in between and that's for a reason and i mean i you know i've had uh i i used to run matches and stuff and you know i've i've shot a uh a a few of them i'll say a, a bunch of them but um when a newer shooter comes it's, it's some of the best um, experience you could get because of like what she said, you're under stress, you're under a timer, you're performing and you're performing in front of people. Um, So it is a, an excellent way to really sort of shake down those skills. And then you're also learning from people who are some of the best at what they do at firearm handling. You know, these are competitors. These are, you know, literally what they do is train to do this well. And uh, getting advice um, from some of those people, even if you attend one match, I've totally known people who were newer, they attended one or two, and then maybe it wasn't for them. But I'm just throwing it out there as an option, Um, because if Mm -hmm. you reach out to that local match director, you can look it up on Practice Score, which is the website that has all shooting competitions. It's like really awesome. But anyways... You just email them, say, hey, this is my skill level. It could be, I had one guy who had never shot a gun. I can't make this up. And he shot an entire match uh, that we ran. It was a charity match and he did great. That's extreme. I'm not telling you to do that. This is not what I'm telling. I'm not not saying that for everyone. This is not a way to get out of shooting lessons. But what I'm saying is it's uh, it's a great way to enhance your skills. 
So try competition too. <laughs> well, I mean, it, and, and it's not, it's not unheard of when I, when I was in boot camp, I qualified as a sharpshooter and I had never fired a gun before in my life. And they said, well, well, you don't know any bad habits. Like you're, you're learning, you're not overthinking it. You're, you're brand new to this. So you're listening to what we're saying and you don't have any bad habits or old ways that you do things that you're bringing, you know, forward to you. So I could totally see where somebody brand new to shooting could qualify or could do really, really well, you know? Oh yeah. And um, the thing is anytime like we've had newer shooters or I've, I've ran newer shooters through, they are so focused on safety that when the RO, um, mm-hmm. that's the, the range officer, when the RO runs them through the course of fire, um, they, they're, they're very in tune with typically what that RO is doing. And then oftentimes if it's a newer shooter and it's not too high level of a competition there, you know, there's coaching too, because we don't want that person to do something unsafe. And we also like want them to have a fun time. So, you know, like there's that too. Like we don't want you to do something like, um, that would give you not like a, uh, safety violation, but maybe you would get a penalty when maybe you could avoid it. It's like, you know, that actually brings up a really good point. And maybe Tara, you can probably kind of speak to this as well. But so during my time as an instructor, I found that it was the same kind of thing where like people who were new to it and had never actually picked up a firearm before, like there are no bad habits that you have to break them of. But like, there's a lot of people that I find and I still I still get this a lot, actually. And I used to get it a lot in Hunter Ed was people who are like, Oh, well, I grew up around firearms. So I know how to handle a gun. And I know how to shoot and I know how to be safe and all that other stuff. And I'm like, you know, I, while I respect that you grew up around firearms, I'm like, you probably have a lot to learn because I know personally, when I started taking the classes from professionals, like at the SIG Academy, and when I started doing that kind of thing, it taught me so, like I grew up around firearms and I had been around guns my whole life, but like that taught me so much more than I ever could have imagined. And, uh, new ways of looking at things and new ways of experiencing shooting with a firearm. And I had bad habits that I needed to break myself of that I had grown up thinking were okay. And the way that they taught me to clear a firearm was completely different than what I had originally grown up with. And it was like 10 steps more than what I had originally been taught. So it really opened up like a whole new world to me in like the firearm safety aspect. So I feel like people who are like, oh, well, don't worry about it. Like I grew up with guns, like it's totally fine. I'm like, no, 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 no. Do yourself a favor and take the classes anyway and go through those processes anyway, because you can expand your horizons and learn so much more than you thought that you knew or correct behaviors that you didn't even know you were doing wrong. Like I had things that I didn't even know I was doing wrong, that when I went to the SIG Academy, they showed me a whole new way of doing those things. And I'm like, oh my God, this makes such a huge, why haven't I been doing this the whole time? Like, right. crap, I shouldn't have listened to my uncle's yeah. friend's best friend. Like, what the? It was so great. It was so great to take those classes and to feel more confident in myself and to learn all of those new things. So, yeah. Agreed. I'm the same way. So I am actually ambidextrous, but I usually just go for my left hand for most things. So if you actually see me shoot, you'll see me shoot and do things like that with my right hand because I actually am more careful 
because it is not my lazy hand. Like I <clears throat> with doing everything left-handed because that is where I developed all my bad habits. So I will make myself <clears throat> my right hand if I want to actually be accurate and pay attention to what I'm doing and not have my ABB kick in because otherwise like that is <laughs> so funny. You're saying that because yeah. recently, like I have been, um, training myself like I've been doing a lot more left-handed stuff um to sort of re-ground um my you know where where my skill level is and to also sort of because I could I learn from both sides yeah. right because yeah. um I'm, I'm learning a new platform right now I got a new pistol and part of getting a new pistol is um just becoming like you know we got to do zen kumbaya spend a lot of range time and, um, you know, what I've realized is that my right hand is just so extremely trained to shooting that when I shoot sometimes with my left, it's like, oh, God, I had to learn things yeah. like this took conditioning. Yeah. It, like the finger doesn't even bend the same way. I'm like, oh, gosh, I've got work to do. So it's been fun. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> I think right-handed, but I'm left eye dominant. So I'm super yeah. weird. <laughs> oh, gosh, you're cross eye. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bizarre. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and, um, and in the Coast Guard, they made us learn. They made us qualify with by shooting with both hands. We had to sh yep. shoot on one knee. We had to train you know, switch out the magazine while we're, you know, I mean, a bunch of different things. They have a whole course that they make us do, but you have to maneuver, you have to use different hands, you have to use, you know, it's, it's kind of, it tests you a little, you know, it's not a hu huge, difficult course, but it does make sure that you can do different things if you have that situation come up. So what, test for if you're, yourself, though, honestly, left hand dominate, your left hand's injured. You have to, right. Oh, yeah, so exactly. what's that? you're not going to get to pick your hand that you're best at and say, wait, hold on a second. I'm better with this hand. Like you're just yeah. going to hold on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need a switch hands. Um, time out. It's what it will make you feel more time comfortable. Out. Yeah. Time out. I need to switch hands. That's actually it, another yeah. point. All my handguns are ambidextrous guns. Yeah. So oh, yeah. uh, I specifically buy for that. So that's yeah. like, that's another point. Like if you're looking to get into this kind of thing and maybe you've never actually bought your own handgun before, you've never carried one or anything like that. Like this yeah. was another, I hate to keep bringing up the SIG Academy because I realize it's in New Hampshire and not everyone has access to it. But like going to someplace like that where I had the opportunity to even just like ranges where you have the opportunity to rent a firearm and try it out for a minute or something mm -hmm. like that. Like I had the opportunity to fit myself for all of these different firearms that I could potentially buy for myself and try shooting them and see what worked for me and have an instructor help me through what works for me, which was amazing because I honestly didn't know, like I never even considered the fact of an ambigun. But then when I realized that I was right-handed, but left eye dominant, like it just changed, it changed my perspective on the way that I looked at shopping for firearms. And also when I'm with a partner who also may need to utilize that firearm for something, especially in a self-defense situation, it gives him the opportunity to, regardless of which like hand he's able to use at the time in that situation, like it gives him the ability to also potentially be effective with that firearm. So all of my pistols are ambidextrous guns. What about what shotgun are you, do you use? I, sorry, I'm, I'm so curious too. Yes. Which shotgun? are you it's the current favorite i would say i know which one's mine because it's ambidextrous but which shotgun are you i have a mossberg 
it's a 500 uh mossberg 525 i think it is if i were 535 i can't remember the actual numbers of the gun i know it's a mossberg i bought like five years back but <laughs> you're gonna have to be more specific but <laughs> it's, yeah for me i always refer to that browning bps which is like yeah. Old, but because of the way it ejects and like because I always hated getting shotgun shells in the face when I was younger I always like deferred to that one but same thing my kids aren't left-handed so like yeah yeah my shotgun's a Mossberg 500 series I think it's a 535 if I remember correctly but um and like a tactical um like setup that it has and it's like I said it had to have a certain type of stock and it had to have a certain length of barrel and the yep. magazine had to be plugged to only hold a certain number of rounds. But mm -hmm. that was the only thing that I could really find at the time that was affordable and legal in all 50 states. And that's what I was looking for when I was traveling the country at the time. Because honestly, like when it comes down to it, even if you don't have a single round in the firearm at the time, like the sound of racking a pump action shotgun is probably going to scare the crap out of some people. Oh so. my gosh. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. So I have always, I've always carried some sort of um, handgun wherever I could. And then I, anytime I have a shotgun on me, it's a pump action shotgun because of that sound. Like no one mistakes that noise. So. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure is actually considered a show of force in some states and places. So that's oh, gosh. of course it is. Even if the gun's not loaded, the action is considered a show of force if you're working a pump action on a shotgun. So yeah, there's just I mean, there's so many legalities and so many rules to look into. And uh, I guess that's my biggest point is like being safe and looking into the legalities of wherever you are and what you're doing. So. Yeah, and that's the that's the biggest thing. I, I, there's one big takeaway from this show tonight is I want people to make sure that they're researching what's legal and what's not, so they don't get themselves jammed up when they're traveling, you know, through various states. And you know, uh, several people have mentioned making sure that you go take a firearms course and you're familiar with the firearm that you carry, whether it's yes. one or twenty, you know, that you're well versed on them and you're comfortable with them. Because you don't so, want to get in a situation where you're already stressed and anxious, and then you're trying to figure out how to use this gun, and and then you end up harming yourself or somebody you didn't mean to harm. You know, right. I think that's so, just important to be comfortable with that. Christina and Taylor might have the answer for this because I don't, but I know that as far as from a learning perspective, some of the bad habits I developed actually had to do with the fact that I was taught by men, and women. And for certain guns, we do hold them a little different and in different places. Like there's certain places that are a little bit more sensitive or painful for us. Or like I was, so I would adjust the things and develop bad habits because of that. So if there is a way, and I don't know, maybe there is a list somewhere or a resource somewhere for women to actually find courses that are taught by women specifically, mm -hmm. but learning from a woman, how to hold it, how to use it is a little different because we do it a little bit differently just from size and factors of where we have to place things and size everything. there's a resource yeah. from the nra it's called women on target and i think that's probably the most widespread like throughout the nation um women's firearm safety class it's uh literally called women on target it's a program through the nra they sponsor it um i would use caution in that it's taught by um, NRA certified range safety officers and pistol instructors and things like that who 
I, I feel like the six hour Academy, like those instructors were a little bit more knowledgeable and vetted a little bit harder. And, it's, it's okay, um, Christina. We all yeah. understand that just because <laughs> okay. okay. you're NRA you certified. Six hour. Yeah, exactly. chances are if you're only NRA certified and your instructor, I love you. God bless. Thank you for doing the work that you do, but there are a lot yeah. of FUDs. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. say the best okay. courses okay. I've had had different certification. I'm just going to take that elephant, yeah. elephant right out of the room and who, let the comment section rain. I don't yeah. care because I know I'm right. That's just the <laughs> widest spread one that I think I'm aware of as far as being women's only. Um, yeah, but I know a that a lot of the gun, other... Which is great. And there's a there's a ton. I could probably like send a couple of messages and get like, like a whole bunch of resources to include. Um, the one I'm familiar with is a girl and again, they're a great resource and, um, I've heard of women on target. Um, but there, yeah, there's a lot of, um, there's been a huge surge of female instructors. So, I mean, I, I feel like it would be really easy for the most part. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah, it seems like you agree to, yeah, I feel like there's a ton of female instructors now, which yeah. is great. And I totally, like, I'm so happy you brought that up because like, so when I was learning, uh, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of learning frustrations, especially like I'm extremely petite and in competition, you're handling full size weapons. And, um, there, there were differences. Like, you know, there was times when people were correcting my grip and it was actually like, no, that's what, you know, I end up wrapping some of my fingers around in a different way. Cause it kind of helps me anchor. Right. Cause I don't, you know, I literally cannot wrap my hand around the grip or, you know, for a human being with a full size, you know, mitten, they can. Um, so there's totally differences. And learning from a woman is, you know, if you're a fellow female, I think very beneficial. Um, but it's important to also, I think, learn from all sorts of different people. Um, if you have the, if you can, uh, and seek it out and know that like, you're probably going to have to travel if you jump down the rabbit hole, like clearly we did, but, um, yeah, every, everyone, um, I feel like that I've ever gotten lessons from, like you always pick up one or two things, but I I'm biased. I, I like the lessons from the ladies. <laughs> I mean, I learned from men to be honest, um, including the additional classes and, uh, everything that I took. So I've never had a female instructor for any of the classes that I've ever had. Mm -hmm. uh, it was nice to become one while I was doing it. Uh, I think it is beneficial to a lot of the ladies that I had in classes. Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you from personal um, experience because I never had that personal experience. I had to, like, if there was anything that I needed to adjust for myself, and this was like the only thing that I think I really did differently that I noticed was like a thing when everyone was like, well, put it in the cup of your shoulder and like, hold your long rifle like in this i was like cover your bra strap and they're like oh my god that totally makes sense like now i completely understand where to hold a rifle or a shotgun like literally cover up your bra strap and it's in the perfect spot so, <laughs> yeah that's awesome i'm using that, that. Feel like yeah that was something that i feel like was the only thing that i was like listen ladies like <laughs> <laughs> i figured it out yeah <laughs> I, but that was the only thing that I think was different for me teaching than for any of the men that I had as instructors in but, my women's only firearms classes. And the guys, I used to get so many compliments on the male instructors that were teaching the classes with me because all the women would come up to me after and be like, where did they learn how to teach women? And I'm like, these dudes have been married for 40 years. Like, <laughs> yeah. now, how tall are you? How tall are you? Oh my gosh. Uh, so I'm almost six foot one. 
So, okay. so I think Whoa. I'm a big girl. <laughs> you got like, all the height. Of like, I have the freakishly small hands where like, and most full size guns, I am not super comfortable with where I've had some, I had one guy walk to me. He's like, the subcompact's useless. I'm like, not for me. It's not, it fits great. <laughs> like, you know, but yeah. like, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah comfortably hold on to the giant one you've got like there's a difference on yeah sizing there if I think there's a short girl factor to some of it that it can be uncomfortable with some of the bigger ones with if you're not holding them right yeah my so, subcompact has an extra round magazine so that my pinky doesn't like get lost you know yes. what I mean which actually just elongates the grip for me so it works but I totally understand what you're saying and that kind of goes back to that whole like give yourself the opportunity to try out a lot of different things and see what actually fits the best for you personally yeah absolutely and I wanted to go back to a comment by Kate Adams here. She said, I don't let husbands or dads hang around when I teach. They always chime in with opinions, intimidate their wives or kids, and reinforce bad habits. Yes, I said it. So what's funny is when we had the ladies camping retreat this past summer and we had uh, someone come and teach an off-road safety course, recovery course, you know, first aid, all of that, he actually said something similar. He said, I really like teaching women's only groups because... You don't have, and we're not bashing men here. We're just saying that, you know, people like to share their knowledge. If they're, you know, they want to know how to do this and I want to show you what I know. But when it's a male and female environment, sometimes there is an intimidation factor, especially if the woman isn't very knowledgeable or comfortable with whatever she's trying to do. You know, she may be afraid to ask questions or she may not feel confident enough to say, I don't really think that's right. I, that's not the way that, you know, I've learned that or, you know, mm. and there are bad habits that people try to teach because they have been around guns their whole life or they've been around, they've been four by four off-roading their whole life or, you know, yep. and you have to be, um, I would say humble enough to be able to say, you know what, maybe, maybe not all of my habits are great habits. Yeah. I may have been doing this since I was a little kid, but probably didn't always learn the correct way to do things, whether it's firearms or driving or whatever, you know? So I do think that, you know, not to be exclusionary, but I do think that ladies only safety courses and ladies only camping events and ladies only off-road events. And like Tara's getting ready at the end of the month to host a ladies garage day down in Tampa. You know, those things are great because you get a smaller group of people. You, you make it to where it's more comfortable for people to ask questions where they might otherwise feel stupid or feel like they can't. And so that's why I think those kind of things are important. You know, um, it, it's just so, yeah, this, um, what did you say, girls with guns or was that what it was called? Girl um, a girl Taylor. and gun. Yeah, there's. Um, yeah, and a there's girl and a gun and different things like. I, yeah, I think that those are important resources to share and. You know, if you guys can get me those links, I'll happily share all of those in the comments on the when I post all of this and stuff, uh, because, you know, people may want those resources and they may be again, that may be the one thing that's holding somebody back from going out and camping solo is, well, what do I do if I feel like I'm in danger or how to protect myself, you know? Yeah. And so not every woman like, feels that way about being in class with a man necessarily, but you know what? There's a right, percentage right. that you and just even to like mm -hmm. reach out to one person who wouldn't do it otherwise or whatever, or maybe it's five women in the class who wouldn't have taken it if there were men involved, then I think it's worth it because you're reaching that, that population of women who need to be taught in a certain way or 
feel more comfortable being taught in a certain way. Okay. I think there's a comfort level to asking questions where, and I was actually a little bit like um, Missy was saying about the class that I have next weekend coming up for the women shop, like 89 women instantly responded. And I left it open to bring your husband, bring your boyfriend. I have arranged to have things to distract them once they get there. <laughs> but, awesome. But awesome. The best things. And this is why I don't want the guys to feel knocked here because ultimately we love for you guys to do these things with us. We love for you guys to be there. So one of the best right. ways you can support your wife or girlfriend or daughter is actually by coming to these things with them, but just doing so quietly. Like it's one of those, like be supportive, but learning to just wait for them to ask you is one of the best things you can do. And so I think when it, they're asking a woman, they're less likely to hold back a question when they're around me. I have noticed that because and I kind of lead with, I have no idea what I'm doing. I learned this because I had to. So like, I, like there's just, there's a necessity factor to some of it, but um, I still want the guys to come and I still invite them and say, come along. Just, I may just make sure that there's some food and distractions for them that, you know, keep them busy or so they're not hyper-focusing on what their wife or girlfriend is doing. You know, like there's things for them to do there too, since they already know all the things, but it's still, we like it when you guys do things with us and come and support us. So they'll come, but just don't. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds bad. Just but. let us ask the questions. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, we so, had, I actually had a really Kate, cool experience. Oh, sorry. When I was teaching those women's off-road or not women's off-road, women's firearm safety classes is like a lot of the times the women would come home and tell their husbands how awesome it was or their boyfriends or whatever, their dads, who knows. And they'd be like, the guys would come to us later and be like, can you do another one of those for guys? Because we also don't know shit. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> It was Can we have a guys only like, class so that nobody knows we don't know that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, you know what? Sometimes they want to ask the questions too, but also feel uncomfortable in a group of guys that they think know more than them. So That's it was yeah. like, it really opened up a whole new world, including for couples where they were like, hey, we would both benefit from like a bare bones, like basics, intro, whatever. And like, let's just, let's figure it out together type of thing. So it can also be a bonding experience. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I've seen couples shooting like couples range nights and couples classes too, which is pretty cool. They tend to offer and, uh, a lot of date nights that, that ranges. Uh, Kate Adams and... shared the well armed woman. Yeah, that, that they are a great resource. I don't know why I didn't remember the well armed woman, but they are a good resource too, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of like, I will say camping. So it's interesting. So um, I've spoken with several women uh, within, I would say, like the last month or so who like avid overlanders, but have never really like camped by themselves before, um, which is like, you know, it's way more common than I thought because um, people get used to going out in groups or they're with their always with their partner or, you know, whatever the situation is, they just haven't gone out by themselves. And um, first of all, I think it's very good for you just as a human being to have that experience by yourself. Um, and I will say like, you know, as like, um, someone, I, I think it's very human when you go into areas that are remote and you're not exactly sure what to expect to maybe need some extra confidence from having like, you know, a way to respond to a situation. And for me, you know, the firearm was that. Um, so, you know, I, I, the, my first time camping actually like totally by myself on public land was in Wyoming. Um, and there's a whole story about that. It was, it was awesome. It was beautiful. But 
Um, I mean, it was just like, you know, you go through all these series of weird thoughts in your head and you don't know what's going to happen and you could be an animal or a person. And when, you know, at the end of the night, if I was questioning, like, can I do this? It's like, yeah, well, if something happens, like I can take care of it. And when you know, and it, it, it doesn't have to be a firearm. It could be anything, right? Like we're, we have to cover all situations. Um, but you know, if you, if you do that background work, um, then you, you're setting yourself up for an awesome time and people should totally, you know, and I think anyone who has an overline landing mindset, you know, you, you're looking to push boundaries. You're looking, looking to push your limits and also be an independent person. And this is a part of it. It's like, you know, when I posted the story of um, like this podcast, like all my followers were like, is there any question of why you wouldn't carry a gun? Like, you know, I think I, like, I had a, a lot of people comment that. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's a lot of people's mindset. Um, and now if it wasn't someone's mindset, you know, I would definitely want to, you know, like hear those thoughts, have a conversation. And there's other um, tools that we should discuss as well. And my number one favorite tool is the flashlight. And the reason for that being is one, you need it every day, it gets dark. Um, but two, it gets people used to carrying something on them that is a tool if you're not used to carrying something like a gun, which could be intimidating. Um, and a flashlight will buy you time. So if something were to happen at night, uh, whether if it's an animal, I've used like you said you had animal encounters. I could only imagine, you know, a flashlight is helpful sometimes, even if you stick your head out a window and just like flat, you could see eyes like and then for, you know, if you're getting attacked, that'll stun someone. And a lot of them on the end of the flashlight actually have prongs for you know, more physical contact. Um, so, and it's not, I, I sound like someone was going to say something. So oh, I would say I take that one a step further where next to the gun in the tent with me at night is actually my remote for the Jeep. And if yeah. in camp, I set the alarm off on my yeah. Jeep because all the lights go off. I don't, I mean, at that point, I don't care if there's people camping nearby, like you kind of want to alert people that something's wrong. So I let the alarm and the lights flash until I know whatever it is, is gone because that's enough to startle, stun them or perp people and animals it's just that startle effect gives you time i've i've used that several times and i've had it work and uh one time it was just as simple as where the hell was i i think i was in arkansas i was like on the oklahoma arkansas border in some weird national forest area and Washington. um <laughs> I, I, probably yeah probably and yeah. there were um like wild you know, pigs or something. Um, and yes. so I'm in my camper and like, like something is brushing like against, like there's something like chewing on my house. Like there's like shit's <laughs> happening outside, you know? And <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the panic alarm, like saved the day. And then, you know, I like waited for it to be quiet for a while and then eventually investigated and like saw the prints and everything. And I, I think they even left some hair. So, but yeah, th that is a solid tip. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that has like definitely been good for me. I mean, for me, and this sounds so flippin' cliche, but for me, like the ultimate number one is like this, because mm. before I even have to reach for a gun and I know the limitations of my firearms and Tara's heard this story and Missy's heard this story, but like, 
So this is why my my Wyoming encounter with wildlife, like I was camping outside in Grand Teton National Forest and a grizzly bear, I made steaks for dinner the night before, which is the stupidest shit you could possibly do <laughs> while you're in Grand Teton camping. That was the dumbest thing I've done in my life. I'm Don't do that. Do not do that. I do not recommend it. So there was like beef grease outside my campsite, which was just dumb, like just pure stupidity. And so it's like 530 in the morning and the sun is barely up. And I hear this god awful grunting noise coming from like the tree line on the side of this sort of kind of like field that I'm camped in by myself. And I'm like, no firearm is going to get me out of this situation. Like I have a 12 gauge on me and I have a handgun on me and the handgun's a nine millimeter and the 12 gauge is going to be hilarious to this bear. So like there is literally nothing that I'm going to be able to do other than to like GTFO. So I immediately like scrambled down. I crawled out the window of my tent, ratchet strapped the ladder up as fast as I could. I didn't even push the ladder up or fold up the tent. I literally just strapped the ladder up high enough that it wasn't going to rumble on the ground and drove away with the rooftop tent still set up on my Jeep. So like just your situational awareness, I think is this like- This is your, awesome. <laughs> against anything that's going to be happening around you and any sort of crappy situation that you're going to get yourself in. And I know Tara and I have talked about this before. And I think Misty's been in on the same conversation too, is like, if your gut tells you the situation is bad before it even gets bad, get out. Like no matter what, like if if you're noticing something that's a little bit off, if your gut's telling you that it's a bad situation before you ever even have to reach for a firearm or consider a knife or think about a flashlight or whatever, just get yourself out of the situation is like my number one way of combating those things. So yeah, that was, that was my best wildlife encounter was having to drive away from a grizzly bear with the rooftop tent. Still open I, I want someone to make a sticker where it's just like the silhouette of your Jeep with the rooftop tent with the thing strapped up and a grizzly chasing after. Like I want, that is an epic sticker. <laughs> like I just How have I not awesome. done that yet? That should be my personal logo for the rest of my life going forward. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a bad talk to, story. Talk to Jared at Shop Overland Apparel, and he can make that for you. He can make that happen. <laughs> I guarantee it. Yes, I have to do that. Yes, you have to, yes, you I, have to include the tree line. A little thing. bit every time I tell this story. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, gosh! One thing I do want to mention: um, one of the comments that we got on Instagram on our Lady Overland Radio um, page was that they knew where we were from because we we were that that was even a thing that you would bring a firearm with you camping oh so sure. my question is what do people do that, that i now travel know where internationally? she's from yeah oh so. uh, like you know there's people that travel all through australia um people that travel through south america central america canada you know or even people who are traveling what do these people the- do when they don't bring a firearm with them uh, well, that's where I come in with like, What's honestly, if I can't a gun, a knife is still always my preferred. Like I will always, I mean, in the situations that have been really close contact self-defense, the gun, I couldn't even get to that. Like the knife in my boot has always been the more reachable, usable thing. Um, so I'm big on not oh, everybody kind of knows that. Like at any point, there is always at least three within arm's reach on the trailer or the Jeep. Um Cool. So, but there's also that factor for people that are from out of the country, cannot carry guns here. And there are some alternatives that companies have put out. I keep hearing really mixed reviews 
on them though. So like there's, you know, the pepper spray balls and guns and things mm. like that, but I haven't really gotten enough experience with them myself to give you an answer on whether it's worth it or not. Um, yeah. And I've gotten really a 50, 50 mix on good or not from my friends who have tried them. So, but that's one of the alternatives, but it's still definitely not the same. Right. Firearm. I mean, to me, a knife is still more useful and properly learning how to use bear spray is also another big thing. Cause I have yes. full bear spray cell. I would screw that up. Like I would screw that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. I have heard of more people bear spray. Somehow I would spray myself. Yeah. So learning, learning, practicing, practice with it. Most people never practice with bear spray before they are put in the situation. Cause you can use that on people too, if you have to. Like, oh, 110%, I wouldn't realize what the wind direction was before I sprayed it. So, like, <laughs> without a doubt, I would yeah. screw that up. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That's well, awesome. You know, it, another another point, and Tara, I'm kind of teasing you a little bit, but you got to, even when you're using tools and you're out by yourself, you have to be safe because you can injure yourself, right, Tara? And <laughs> you can injure yourself pretty badly. So Sounds like uh, a story I've never, you do, never heard. <laughs> you have a yeah, matching scar. <laughs> Christina yeah. and I both the last time we yeah. talked to you, you had a big scar. Yeah. So I don't know what you're you talking about. You just have to be safe and smart no matter what you're doing, especially if you're out so there by yourself. For me, there is always things. I have a tool bag that is well equipped with hammers and wrenches that can do a whole lot more <coughs> than a lot of the things on my vehicle as far as using them. Like if you carry one of the good size wrenches or hammers, that is a weapon if you need it to be. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Jared Cook, Shop Overland Apparel. He'll design it for you. I Thanks, Jared. Promise. He's excellent. As, as long awesome as. Awesome t-shirt design. Yep. <laughs> That's <you> awesome. <laughs> so, Just Taylor. one an extra small. Let's go back to your, your, uh, your offensive uh, course you wanted to set up for everybody. Let's talk about that. Oh, gosh. Where, where you should <laughs> play, strategically place your guns to, yes. you know, combat the woods. Well, first of all, that would be giving away all my secrets. So, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, I, I mean, you just, uh, everyone's different in terms of, you know, what, what their comfort level is. I, I like to have something uh, in the places that I frequent, right, which is, you know, the vehicle and then where, you know, wherever it is that I'm sleeping. Um, you know, if you have one and you just carry it on you 24-7, that's great as well. Um you know, I, I alternate, uh, there's often times when I'm at camp where, you know, it, it's like, you know, maybe I'm trying to work out or something. Right. Uh, so I like to have, uh, reliable places where <laughs> I know that, you know, something will be there if you need it. And it's important as well, uh, for anyone who ever like stages anything. And this goes for in home, like on your nightstand, you have to practice as well. Right. We talk about practice and all mm -hmm. that. Um, a lot of people will practice from the holster, but they don't practice, uh, like grabbing off of a table because you'll hit your mag button and then you'll be really surprised when on shot two, you don't have any more ammo. So, you know, there's like little things to, to look out for and practice. Um, but I mean, my, my big thing is like when I get to camp, it's really what you were saying before, Christina, um, like with gut, um, you know, I've gotten to the point where traveling so low that if something just like makes my gut flutter a little bit, like I'll leave. 
because Mm -hmm. the world is such a big place and there are so many options. There's no reason for me to stay anywhere or to be around people who set off any sort of antenna when there's so many other options, right? Um, There will be times when maybe you don't have other options, but anytime you do, I've, I've driven through campsites in camp areas and had no reason to not like them, but left because something just didn't make me like it. Right. And I want to feel really comfortable and happy with where I'm at. Um, so that is super important and it's, and it took me a little while. I will say when I started traveling by myself to accept that intuition and to not logic my way out of it, to not say that this is crazy. Um, you just have to, kind of go into the situation saying, you know what, if that antenna goes up at all, I'm out because that's going to keep you at a good comfort level. And chances are that's going to keep you a lot safer. Um, so, you know, so you just act like that white tail deer, just flip your tail and, and head on, head on. Um, and there's no and, shame in that. Like there, there's yeah. no shame in leaving and picking a different place and getting yeah. out of there. Even if it feels like you're being ridiculous, like, yeah. Who's going to care? Like, guys. <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. Additionally, we have the rule that if either one of my kids has the same feeling or issue with <clears throat> the place, which, by the way, the little one will use against me sometimes when he's really grumpy about where we're at. But I there's no signal. <laughs> I have to teach them to trust their instincts, too. So if they tell me I don't like this spot, it doesn't feel right or something feels off. I don't argue with them. We go. And yep. so sometimes little one did figure out that, oh, like, oh, I don't like this spot. Then I, he, the, it turned to, I feel better if I'm right next to the river so I can fish. Um, you know, despite the millions of mosquitoes. That would be my Manipulators. Kids. That's yeah. right. So, but still, we have that rule with them of, like, I have to teach them to trust that gut instinct as well. But for me to tell them it's wrong isn't fair either. If I have the same rule of, like, hey, this doesn't feel right, we go. If they tell me the same thing we go and then they at least have less anxiety and feel like they always have that veto right. Yeah. I noticed somebody said something earlier that they were like, Hey, I'm a woman who camps alone, but I've never felt like I needed to carry a firearm where I go. And you know what? That's great. Like if you don't feel, yeah, there you go. But rarely bring it camping. Um, I get that. Like I rarely run into situations Mm -hmm. where I'm camping around other people because of where I choose to be. But I will say that there's, I, I don't know where this person is camping. I have no idea. But like some of the places that I have chosen to go to and some of the places that I've chosen to camp in and like my boyfriend and I joke about this all the time, but it's like desert people are weird people. <laughs> a lot of time, <laughs> like we do. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a lot of conversation with my husband about rat desert shit that we drive by. Yeah. So, it's like yeah. a whole new world out here. So. Yeah. Yeah. And what's happening too, yeah. uh, for a lot of people who are like going out into these public lands and these BLMA lands, especially around metropolitan areas, as I've yep. noticed, um, that there is more residential situations happening and they are, you know, the kind of characters that you don't necessarily want to be around. So, um, I've, I agree, uh, with that, you know, the individual who commented and I have always felt way, way, way safer being in the wilderness. And typically I'm not afraid of people. Um, most of my interactions have like, you know, like I haven't, I haven't even had a lot of interactions, but, um, you know, I'm more concerned about animals, I guess, uh, really, than I am about people. Um, however, the yeah, I'm yeah not- and 
I don't, but I don't go to campgrounds. Um, try not to, but you know, and no. what's happening now is even if you're someone like me who I try my damnedest not to be near anyone, um, a lot of these public lands are getting, uh, some, yeah, they're getting crowded. And I think, and again, this is like, God, what a deep rabbit hole we could jump down, how to select a camp spot, right? Um, because when you are in public land, if you are someone who is just going to camp in that first mile of that forest road, like you're probably not going to get the best neighbors, right? right? And so if you are willing to go maybe a few miles or even 10, like, then all of a sudden you're putting yourself in a better situation. So, um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I hate to say it cause like and, for the record, I am a desert person. Like we bought property in the high desert in Arizona. So like I can say what? these things about people. But, like, Same. Um, one thing that I have, and this is so, so, so sad because like I said, I started this whole adventure. Um, I sold my house back in 2019 and hit the road then. So it was oh, like COVID same. era. And so I've been on the road for years, but Post-COVID, I've noticed that there's a financial situation that's forcing a lot of people into public lands and has been causing more dangerous situations for people who choose to recreate on public lands. And I think that is something that I've had, I personally have noticed that I've had to be more cognizant of. Mm-hmm. in recent years compared to before is like yeah there were always those people who kind of took advantage of like the freedom and the like fact that public lands were cheap and things like that but now it feels to me anyway like there's an increase in the number of people who are forced to be in those situations yeah. and are creating more dangerous situations for other people who are choosing to recreate there So whether it be Mm -hmm. theft or whatever, like there's, there's just more to worry about. I think now, especially like you said, in the public lands that are outside of like metro areas and things like that, that you kind of have to be more cognizant of. So those are things that I've personally noticed. And uh, so I I don't know if you guys have had a similar experience, but like that's something I've paid attention to. Majorly this year for Washington, Oregon areas, especially almost, I mean, I have, almost 12 years of spending summers out there and like I have all of my spots the ones I think nobody else knows and even those were completely taken over by drug related things going on um yeah like it was all all the public land areas so even just in the last but that's just in the last two or three years I noticed that massive shift yeah well see when I was in Oregon last summer we were uh, we were going to camp right outside of Portland in the National Forest and as soon as we got out there, we were like, no, this is not the place for us. There are way too many mm. squatters, long-term people, however you want to say mm-hmm. it. You know, it was just not a safe environment. My little spidey <clears throat> senses went up and my intuition kicked in. And I'm like, nope, I'm not staying here. And we traveled way out um, toward Eastern Oregon. Um, but you have Eastern to, Oregon. again. There, to clarify, every yeah. every issue is definitely Western side of state. Yeah. For- to Oregon or both Eastern side are great. Yeah. And then you get it's just, uh, what's that? So, but then you start getting into the Oregon desert people, which is, yeah, they're, they're <laughs> a little, little quirky too. But, um, the only times, <laughs> desert <I've> ever, people. <laughs> the only times I've ever had issues while camping and we camp out pretty far 
um, we're with people. I mean, we've had cows come through the campsite or, bears. you know, raccoons, things like that. A little bear every once like nothing, a moose, but none of them ever like, made little. us feel uncomfortable <laughs> or scared. What's that? You said at least your bear was little. So. Yeah, he was little. Um, but, you know, so we've never had that situation where we were in fear of animals. It's always been, and it's only been very few rare occasions where people have actually <clears throat> cause any kind of issue but it was always people that made us feel the most uncomfortable yeah so grizzly bears will make you uncomfortable yeah grizzly bears <laughs> will make me um poop my pants and run yes absolutely i will drive off with my tent open on top of my car as well don't even play i will totally Highly recommend it yeah. <laughs> I I like tent and wait for them to walk away <laughs> yeah. like he's fine he's fluffy he just just i, I promise i won't file a warranty claim with eye camper if i drive off with my roof rooftop tent <laughs> up and whatever i won't well, i only had to get awesome. as far as like i felt safe to put it like up you know what i mean yeah but, that was it. but yeah it's definitely been 110 percent over more more so than anything else like if i got out of a situation because i felt uncomfortable it was either a person making me uncomfortable or yeah. just a gut feeling of like, I'm not in the right place right now to be doing right. this by myself. So I still think that like, while you can defend yourself with whatever means you have legally available to you, mm -hmm. the best defense is still going with your gut or being aware yes. of your surroundings and that kind of thing. So yeah. I, that is my first line of defense at all times is like, if it feels wrong before I even have to think about utilizing a firearm or a knife or a flashlight or whatever it may be, like before I even have to go there, it's like, just get out if it feels wrong. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, ladies, we went a little over the hour, which is awesome. I, I think that this was a very, very good, it was very informative for everyone. Um, again, thank you for everybody that watched and commented and sharing your experiences and your knowledge on firearm safety and traveling with, with guns. Thank you ladies so much for bringing your expertise to this. And I value your input. And I know that, that our, our viewers do too. And I hope everyone has a wonderful night. And thank you again for watching.